There it is. We're live. It's Wednesday. Welcome, everybody, to this beautiful day. We have two awesome guests. We're going to be talking about harnessing the power, power of your emotions. This ought to be a good one. So tune in. Let's have a good time. Here we go. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to this beautiful Wednesday. If you are joining us for the very first time today. Welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've been here for a while, then you already know that we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So you've got three opportunities every single week to ask your questions. If you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs. Let me know what it is that you want us to talk about. Leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing Poly A and let me know what it is that you want us to talk about. And as always, want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcomed guest to be on the show. None of us are perfect and we're here to share our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com, sign up for the last few spots on this year's season. Share your imperfect story too. All right, that's my spiel. And now to introduce these two awesome guests. Today, we are joined by two incredible guests who have been working together, not just in business, but in life as well. This dynamic duo each have their own separate coaching and therapy practices. And since they're also married partners, it's like iron sharpening iron. They're able to <laughs> brainstorm and bounce ideas together to come up with solutions to difficult situations that others might miss. Our guests have a ton of life experience to draw from to help you get to where you want to be. Our guests are educators, survivors, parents, and partners, and they, like most of us, are always looking for ways to improve their overall well-being, break through limiting beliefs, and live meaningful, authentic lives. Tune in to hear our guest stories and learn how to use the power of your emotions to get the most out of life and create connections and relationships that will be meaningful, memorable, and hopefully long-lasting. Joining us today out of Alberta, Canada, hosts of the Empowered Now Polyamory Podcast, welcome to the show, Leanne and Greg Millian. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> nice intro. Thank you. Well, Whoa. thank you for uh, spending some time with me here today. Thank you both for... Uh, you know, for making the time for hanging out. Um, you know, I, I kind of got a little bit of your story. I did a little bit of research, you know, stalked you on Facebook and all that stuff. Um, but I just want to hear it directly from you. Good day, Sneaking Tooth. Thanks for tuning in. Um, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, Leanne, I'll let you go first. They'll go ladies first today. Well, um, I am happily married to Greg and we've been together for five years, um, married for a year and a little bit. Uh, yep. That's him. And he, uh, <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He came into my life, um, you know, after I'd been through three marriages, uh, two of which were monogamous and mm -hmm. multiple other polyamorous or consensually non-monogamous relationships. And so, um, 
I had just come out of a, a very traditional monogamous relationship and wanted to, to go back to polyamory. And so we met on OkCupid. Nice. Because that's a great site. <laughs> they actually have, you know, a little a little uh, tab that you can check off for, for non-monogamy. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. And so, you know, we we met and uh, changed each other's lives. Um, for a period of time, we, we closed our relationship because we recognized in each other that there was work to do. Mm -hmm. um, and in ourselves, Ooh. did that work and came out the other side of that stronger and better and more connected than ever. And so... Well, we haven't been together very long. Uh, I think, you know, the history of those relationships prior really helped to, you know, remind us what not to do <laughs> a lot yeah. of the time. Uh -huh. we, we've learned a lot. And so we bring that to the table for each other and for our clients as well. So nice. I like that. I like that. Uh, Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself and anything else that you'd like to add to uh, Leanne's history of you. What she said. <laughs> what she said <laughs> what about yourself uh yeah so i've been i've, I've identified as um uh, uh, consensually non-monogamous for 15 years now in various mm -hmm. forms and various different parts of the spectrum everything from you know um uh yeah being sort of kind of you know open relationship ish to polyamorous which is where we're at right now um and then pretty much everything in between um uh, what else? I mean, like Leanne said, we met five years ago while I was married in a polyamorous relationship. Um, and she hit me up one night on, on OkCupid. And I, I actually remember the message. So I'm sitting there in bed at the time I was a personal trainer. So I had to be up at the ass crack of dawn mm -hmm. the next day. And so I'm sitting there in bed, it's like nine 30 and I'm just trying to go to sleep and I'm just scrolling through doing the, the doing the thumb scroll thing through OkCupid or whatever. And I get this message and it says, so non-monogamy, huh? Question mark. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Allow me to educate you, young lady. You know, yeah, right, right. I, I kind of, I kind of, in hindsight, in retrospect, I kind of think maybe I went into mansplain mode. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. I was about oh, to yeah. call you on that. <laughs> yeah, totally, 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 totally happened. But anyway, I wrote this big, long sort of, you know, dissertation on non-monogamy and the benefits of it. And, you know, the fact mm -hmm. that, you know, human beings, you know, we aren't meant to love just one person. Um, we have many loves in our life. Why can't we have them simultaneously? You know, why does it have to be one after the other? Or, you know, why do we have to pine for one person simply because of a social construct in, in play that says that we can't actively, actively pursue a relationship beyond a certain sort of... Um, dynamic, which would typically be a, a non-intimate or a non-sexual dynamic. Um, and, you know, just this whole thing, right? And it was just all of these, this litany of questions and thoughts and stuff. And much to my surprise, she responded. You know, most people honestly don't respond very well to that. <laughs> Weirdly. No, but so, got your victory dance. Well, I got it right here. Yeah. Winner. <laughs> <laughs> She was all invested in that. And so we, we, we started chatting and talking and met up the next day. And it's, um, there hasn't been a day that hasn't gone by that we haven't talked to each other in some form or fashion, whether it be over text or communication. And that, that was five, over five years ago now. Mm -hmm. So it's been a really deep and meaningful connection. And as she said, we've been, even in our relationship, we've been in various stages of mm -hmm. monogamy and non-monogamy as well. Like, 
you know, when we opened our relationship back up again, we had, we had, frankly, we had a set of rules that weren't okay. really serving us. And, you know, so we, we had to unpack that and why, why we had those rules and stuff. And maybe I can, if I can be so forward as to segue into the topic here in that, sure. you know, we were trying to protect ourselves emotionally mm-hmm. from being hurt and dealing with uncomfortableness. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in, in vulnerability in that, but the one thing, and I'm sure that, well, I'm not sure, but, but maybe most of your audience can agree is the one thing that polyamory is really fucking good at doing is bringing up emotions, right? You know, whether, whether you yes. want to deal with them or not, they're going to get brought up. There, there's mm-hmm. going to be challenges. There's going to be issues that are going to come up and you're going to have to navigate them um, or not. And then, you know, <laughs> you can see how that goes for you too. Right. Yeah. But the reality the is, is yeah, really. And that's, that's kind of my wheelhouse from a, from a coaching relationship perspective is, is I help people understand the power of vulnerability the strength mm-hmm. of our emotions and what they can bring to the table. And I was told earlier to use this, so I'm going to use it right now. You ready? Let's do it. The one thing that connects us all is our emotions. <laughs> <laughs> you did write that down pre-show. I love it. I did it. I did. It was right here. <laughs> I love it. It's true. It's true. The one thing that connects us all is our emotions. We all go through, uh, as you said, various stages of our emotions, especially when we're opening up our relationships. Uh, Mm -hmm. You you said that we're going to feel, we're going to go through the emotions. We have to go through them uh, and and unpack them or not to our own uh, detriment or, or, you know, at our own risk. Um, But Leanne, let's talk about some of these emotions. When you talk about uh, when, when you closed your relationship so so greg you were already in a polyamorous relationship leanne i'm not sure what your what your uh situation was at the time but uh you got the two of you got together and i'm I'm assuming we're polyamorous for a while and then you closed your relationship what were some of the emotions going through (laughs) that you all were going through at that time uh and kind of the way that you justified making that move Sure. Yes. Well, <laughs> we we experienced a lot of, um, sh- you know, honestly, it, it was shocking the level of emotional reaction we both had to to being poly in each other's presence or to seeing each other with others or to knowing each other was on a date. All of that is, you know, we had prior experience with with other partners. In this case, for some reason, for both of us it became very weighty and heavy and, you know, ridden with jealousy and possessiveness and Mm -hmm. questioning and, you know, and that was for me quite a shock. I was surprised that this was happening. Uh, It was relatively early in the relationship. Um, And I think that when we called it, when we said, okay, wait, (laughs) time out, while we identify as polyamorous or consensually non-monogamous because uh, both of us have floated in and out of those those two identities Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um we also don't need to pursue partners all the time right and so it was more of a functioning monogamy that we needed we needed to we needed to know each other in this relationship we needed to trust each other in this relationship we needed to go through some things frankly Mm-hmm. to to feel that we were each other's uh, security, right? And or 
we were securing the relationship and that right. way we could explore outside. And honestly, for me, I have, I have a lot of monogamous programming. I really do. I know I do. I feel you. Um, and we, you know, I struggle with it all the time. Even mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. I struggled with it. Um, and you know, I, I feel like the hierarchical hierarchical approach to things uh, that we initially took was necessary. We needed that just to feel like I'm listening to you and your needs. You matter to me. I'm, you know, I'm recognizing my value in this relationship through your eyes. And yeah. having that just for a time, it wasn't very long, actually. It was just a few months. Um, but having it for just that period, I think, gave me stability getting married gave me a sense of, of security, right? Even though I have been through three divorces and I know it's only a piece of paper and I know that everything changes. Sure. <laughs> and is it going to last forever? I hope so. We have a deal, Greg and I, but you know, I know life happens. Anything could happen. We're never guaranteed anything. Right. Right. So, but the marriage itself created a sense of status and hierarchy that at that time, I really needed in order to feel like I could open up again. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think people, uh, I think that often in the community, we don't support people it, who are experiencing that need. We judge it and we say it's wrong or you shouldn't have that, or you shouldn't need that. You should be mm -hmm, beyond mm -hmm. that. But the truth is, is wherever you are, that's where you, you are. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah, know, it's a journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey. So, one hundred percent. I love. So you're telling me there's a chance. There's a <laughs> chance. There is absolutely a chance we can make this happen. We can make it work. Uh, I I loved what you said just now. That where you are is where you are, and expecting everybody to not feel the 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 jealousy, the possessiveness. These these natural. I mean these ingrained emotions that we that we go through and and shaming people that feel that that's definitely something that uh, our community can do uh can do better in uh greg uh back to you um jealousy and possessiveness were the two emotions that leanne mentioned that that uh she was feeling during that time when when the two of you decided to close your relationship were you feeling the same or was there something else for you Okay, so let's be honest. Um, I was the one that requested that we close the marriage. Oh, okay. The yeah, and it was I because love I was. I love the vulnerability. I, yeah, I was dealing with some issues of of jealousy. Um, okay, which, which kind of took me <laughs> took me by surprise, to be honest. Um, it was uh, it was a bit of a uh, it was a bit of an eye opener. It was like mm -hmm. a brick across the face in some ways because it was like, oh, okay. So there was a lot of unresolved issues that were starting to come to the surface underneath. And I found myself in this raging river of distress and I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, it was very dysregulating for me to, 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 to manage. And so I requested that we would close the relationship um, and, and, and do this processing both together and in, as individuals and stuff. Um, I mean, it, ultimately it worked out. Ultimately going through that process helped create a much more you know, stable foundation for us gave us much more a greater sense of security with each other because i think that was something that we were both lacking frankly mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. some ways i don't know i'm not going to speak completely for leanne but i know in our conversations and our experiences that's one of the things that she brought up was is this 
lack of stability in other relationships, right? For whatever right. reason, uh, whether it was perceived or actual, doesn't really matter. The fact is, is that's how we felt. And so we had to, we had to find a way to, 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 to work together, you know, um, referring back to the topic of conversation, which is to create yep. a meaningful connection was to be authentic with each other. I mean, because that's ultimately, that's what meaningful is, is being authentic, right? right. And so if I'm going to be authentic, I got to say, oh, shit, this is really scaring the crap out of me. And I don't have the resources, the tools to manage it effectively while we continue to be poly. So can we close the relationship for a bit? And when we say close the relationship, like Leanne said, we, we were still, I mean, I've always identified as non-monogamous, consensually mm -hmm. or otherwise. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> I have. Yeah. Yeah. I have. I, I mean, you know, when you when you don't know, you don't know. Exactly. When you don't yeah. know, you don't know. And there were a lot of relationships where I didn't know. And so there was a lot of distrust and infidelity on my part. Um, it, a lot of distrust created an infidelity on my part in, in, in that process of trying to figure out exactly what what it was that I wanted and what type of dynamic I wanted. So to be this open and this expressive and this vulnerable about it with this with this amazing woman was just incredible. And then to be able to step into that journey together um and, and to create this connection was was wonderful and so like leanne said when i see people getting upset or when i see people triggered by the fact that other people are asking if it's okay if they close their relationship or they deal with it well i i, I would invite those people to maybe take a look at maybe you know maybe there's something that you can be doing for yourself that might create a bit more security and stability within the connection mm -hmm. obviously you're secure and stable with yourself but what do you need to do to bring stability and security to your connections and to your relationships right. so that they're meaningful for everybody involved? And if what you're doing is working for everybody involved, fantastic. Yep. That's wonderful. But the question becomes, why are you judging the way other people are doing it? Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I, um, you, you touched on one, part of our topic, which is the the meaningful connections. I love what you said. Uh, meaningful means authentic. And Greg, I have heard you be like super authentic and vulnerable and, you know, just very, very honest. And I appreciate that so much. Um, the other part of our topic, though, is the harnessing emotions part. Mm -hmm. So for me, when it comes to emotions, when I get emotional, I get blinded. Like my emotions are, are, have a tendency to control me. Um, I've talked about this on the show. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but my heartbreak led to me joining the Navy a little over 15 years ago, right? I surrender to your will. I surrender to my emotions. Yeah. They just take control. And so when it comes to harnessing emotions, I think back to like, that one year that I played football and, you know, I was a freshman in, in high school and, you know, I had a lot of pent up anger and rage. I had little guy syndrome and my coaches always told me, you know, harness that emotion, use that anger, use that rage and lay it out on the football field. And like, that makes a lot of sense to me. Take the anger, lay into somebody on the football field. Cool. But when it comes to harnessing our emotions in a uh, productive, constructive way in relationships how do we do that like what you all were going through with uh greg what, what you were going through with the with the jealousy the possessiveness how do you harness that emotion as opposed to letting it take control of you 
so that you can actually improve your relationship. Greg, will you hit us with that first? Yeah. Uh, so I, I stumbled upon this idea of, of not judging emotions. Um, so there's, there's three components here. The first one is stepping away from judgment of the emotion. The second component is understanding that the emotion is there to try to tell you something. It's information, like lights on a dashboard. And the third component is understanding if the emotion is life-protecting or life-giving. So the example of a life-protecting hmm. emotion would be anger or fear or sadness or grief or frustration or jealousy even, envy. Mm -hmm. Those are all life-protecting emotions. We're trying to protect something about us, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. A life-giving emotion would be love, joy, peace, happiness, right? Uh, right. Compersion is another life-giving emotion. Mm -hmm. So that component, once I understood that that component is, is, is necessary for us as human beings, I was able to remove the judgment piece for the most part. And I say this for the most part because it still happens. It's happening as we speak. I'm going through a particularly depressive episode the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. So I'm beating myself up for that. But the difference this time between the beating myself up is, is that I'm bringing mindfulness and awareness to that. Mm. And I'm allowing that to happen instead of, I don't know about you, James, but when you would when you joined the Navy after a breakup, I'm sure there was this cycle of, of emotional sort of distress that was happening. And it just continued and continued and continued. And there may have not been a way out of that other than to just run. I mean, boot camp definitely helped me deal with that. <laughs> that was very little that I had to think about other than shining my shoes, right? And folding my clothes, right? But anyway. Right. And, and 50 push-ups, right? Yeah, I exactly. Get I get it. So, but but the reality is, is that, that there is some level of that to, to the life protectiveness of us, right? That, so when we say, when I say that we want to harness our emotions, we want to take things like vulnerability. We want to take things like, like, like these jealousies and these fears and these insecurities that we have. And instead of trying to suppress them, we want to bring them to the surface and start mm. sharing them with each other. Not with everybody, because not everybody deserves <laughs> that part of you. Right, right. But with the people, but with the people that you want to deeply and, and, and authentically connect with. That's how that. we can harness it. That's how we can harness it. Because then what happens is, is that we're taking, Brene Brown said it to this effect. She said that once we can bring those, the vulnerabilities into the light, they can mm -hmm. no longer have any control over us. Yes. And so how do we bring them into the light? Well, we bring them into the light by talking about them. We yes. bring them into the light by stopping judging them. We bring them mm -hmm. into the light by understanding that they're trying to protect us from something. Hell now, that yes. might be an imaginary threat. And most of the time, frankly, it is an imaginary mm -hmm. threat. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's a trauma-based disconnect threat. And that's okay. But if we can understand that and, and effectively communicate it in some way. Sorry, give me a minute. You okay? I am. I've been in some very dark places in my life where I've chosen not to express those emotions and where I've chosen not to harness them and allow them to control me. But every single time that I have chosen to step into vulnerability, step into this idea that I don't have all of the answers and that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Every single time I've done it, it's worked out in some way, shape or form. Maybe not the way I expected it to, mm -hmm. but it has worked out in some way. And that's what it means to harness the, the, the emotions that we experience. Damn. Powerful. Powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I 
I, I, I feel that so much, uh, uh, you know, I, I think of my own times of, of turmoil and distress, uh, and it sounds to me like what you're talking about is uh, something that I've learned is giving myself the permission to feel those emotions. Um, in your case, you had uh, Leanne to be able to, to talk to talk with about those emotions. Uh, and, you know, I've had my partners that I'm able to talk with, but sometimes it's even just giving myself the permission to feel them at home in bed by myself and just release like, like I've talked about this, uh, you know, mm. uh, many times before, giving myself that permission to to just cry and and let let loose those mm -hmm. emotions. Um, Leanne, I want to I want to give you the floor here and see what you have to add. Uh, being on the other side of that, being the one who was being asked to close off your relationship, uh, and and the emotions that you might have been going through, and how you harnessed your emotions at that time uh, to, you know to to improve your relationship or to be constructive in your relationship well the experience of closing wasn't that difficult for me i identify as ambiamorous so i can mm -hmm. be happy in either a polyamorous or monogamous relationship um so i i saw you know the impact that greg's emotional life was having on our connection and i knew that that wasn't sustainable so we need we needed to do something, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was all for, you know, trying this route for a while or forever, or, you know, that's, I think something that, that is a huge uh, element in my work is inviting people to experiment and explore with their partners rather than assume that things should stay the same. Sameness doesn't equal something that's good <laughs> right and it can often you know result in really bad habits and getting into a rut and not feeling heard and all kinds of negative experiences within that so you know when greg offered that i was like yeah you know let's let's do that for a while and see what that's like <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> you know mm -hmm. maybe it'll stick forever maybe it won't i don't know but i'm committed to this connection so i want to see where it goes where it grows right and um, one of the things that for me has been a really important piece in harnessing emotional life is processing it. Mm -hmm. So some people are really good at verbal processing. In fact, they're, they excel at it. That's the only way they know how. And for others, that's a dead end. It's really not helpful. It doesn't do anything much for them, except maybe they can intellectualize what's going on but they don't process that way. And what I mean by process is actually the release, right? And so for many of us, like yourselves, tears are awesome. They release a lot of that for us. Physical activity, right? Mm -hmm. Movement, stretching, dancing. Um, I, I do this embodiment practice where I just shake my whole body and make noise. Um, and mm. it works really well for me. I think, honey, you do that today, right? <laughs> and it's always good to tell people that you live with that you're going to do this, by the way, because it can sound very <laughs> scary <laughs> when you're in the room going, you know, they're like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, the embodiment practice, uh, working out, uh, going for walks and connecting with nature. These are, right. these are natural inherent 
ways that our bodies shift our emotional life. You know, a dog experiences something fearful or exciting, they'll shake themselves. We need that. And, and many times when we're in pain, we stop moving. We, we want to do the opposite of join the Navy. We want to <laughs> get under a, a blankie and, you know, watch movies all day, right? And so that's not necessarily what we need, right? And so trying those things out, seeing what works, it's not all about bubble baths. Sometimes it's about, you know, taking a jog or gardening mm -hmm. or doing something that gets you moving, you know, uses the muscles. Yeah. Um, even dancing to music that you love, you know, it's, can be very, very cathartic. It's just and connecting to your body, basically. Connecting to your body. Sometimes I think that people get in their heads and they stay there. So they've mm -hmm. done some of the work, right? They've processed some of the experience. But ah. there's a whole other component that is rooted in our musculature, rooted right. in our in our gut in our you know cells right and we need to right. move that energy there's uh, there's even science uh behind behind chakras yeah. uh there's like actually legitimate science i had a conversation with uh, somebody on the on the podcast and i remember exactly who it was but there is science behind the placement of the chakras and so mm -hmm. as you're saying that i'm like oh yeah if i get in my head and just stay there um ignoring neglecting like my physical body and that is also being affected what's that word physiological mm -hmm. right like mm -hmm. it's it's brain and body it's it's mind and body it's all of these things um i i don't i want to be respectful of your time we're coming up uh here on our 30 minute mark uh are you guys rushing to get out of here can i ask you one more question no please yeah, oh do. yeah okay cool um so as you're telling your story here and and you talk about uh closing the relationship um I think you were both fortunate that you didn't have uh, significant partnerships existing at the time. Mm -hmm. How, and I'm just going to throw it up to whoever wants to answer first. Um, how would things have been different if you did have sig significant partnerships that were already existing? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I suppose, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's hypothetical, but at the same time, I, I know that we've both kind of dealt with this in our, in our coaching work as well. Um, what floats up to the top for me immediately is communication. Maybe, maybe in those situations, you don't shut down the relationships that are already existing and you, you keep everything closed in. You know, you go, you become a closed triad or a closed quad or whatever, how many ever people are in the current bubble. And then maybe there's an agreement in place that you don't add any more people to that bubble. Mm -hmm. That's one way to do it. Um, it, it. It can be challenging to navigate through that without pulling any sort of hierarchical card. Right. So you don't, I, I definitely don't recommend you doing that. Um, if you find that one relationship is struggling and another one is not, then perhaps maybe you can you can um, you know step into to a bit more work and maybe a bit more focus on the one relationship that is struggling and communicate that to your other partners and say hey look I don't want to disconnect from you completely but understand that this relationship is struggling right now so I need to put a bit more time and attention into it so that I can 
because it because it matters to me. And frankly, mm -hmm. I would do the same thing for us if we were in a similar situation, mm -hmm. which, you know, fingers crossed, we never are. But should we come into it? Should we find ourselves in that situation that maybe, you know, because it, it, it's it's not about it's not about you know one being more important than the other per se. Mm -hmm. It's about sometimes one needs more attention than the other. It's it's you right. know, I don't want to use the kids analogy because that's so overused. Use friends. And use friends. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So your friendships, nice. right? Sometimes sometimes your friendships require a bit more attention and cultivation than another friendship might. Mm -hmm. Right? You have some friends that you see and talk to once every six months, and that's fantastic. And then you have other friends that you talk to every single day. And then right. maybe sometimes you have two friends that you talk to every single day, but you find that you just don't have the resources for that for a while. So you have to say to one friend, hey, look, I need to put more resources into this relationship. So I'm going to be a little bit more, a little bit quieter. But it mm -hmm. doesn't mean I don't love you and I don't care about you. Right. And yeah. in fact, I would love and appreciate your support while I go through this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Nice. And this is yeah. how you can do that for me. Right. So I, I don't I don't know. Does that answer your question? I think so. I think so. Uh, Leanne, anything to add to that? And uh, maybe uh, pulling in this idea of harnessing emotions for that? Yeah, for sure. So what came up for me when I was listening to you, Greg, was that when we're talking about who needs the attention first, um, it's almost like a triage situation. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So, and that can vary from day to day. You know, um, I have very tight relationships with family members. And when one of my family members is in struggle, I'm, I'm trying to be as present as I can for them and everybody else waits. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, for me, that's how I operate in the world. And I think going into any relationship, I communicate that to my partners fairly early on. I let them know that I am somebody who, who likes to help out, who is, mm -hmm. you know, invested in many different kinds of relationships. And I'm, I don't, I don't identify as a relationship anarchist, but there is an element of societal mononormative programming that pigeonholes us into, you have to have this much investment into a romantic relationship, right? Or it's not viable. Mm -hmm. right? And this much over here has to be equal or it's not as good or as important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you can't invest that much into any other relationship, family, friends, right? Mm -hmm. Your focus should be on your romantic relationships. And it's a very strange kind of teaching that is subtle, but very clear in our society and it impacts the way that we see relationships and how we function within them and and very much i think to our detriment because we are put in this position of questioning is it okay that i want to tend to this person mm -hmm. in my life that i care about fuck yeah it should be okay and it's always okay and please go do that because right. they matter to you and I yes. want you to be happy, right? Yes. Like, please, right? We did an episode on our podcast uh, called The Compassionate Partner. There's a wave of information that's coming out in the poly community that to me doesn't serve 
relationships well. Relationships have their own identity, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm me, Greg's him, and then there's us, the relationship, the connection. What does that look like and what does it need? And when people invest in the relationship and it's not perceived as equal, other people judge that. Oh, well, why are you getting more time? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? That kind of thing. Why? Because I want that. <laughs> End right. of story. And if that's not meeting your needs, then you have decisions to make. Right? Yeah. Um, that's where I come at it from, as well as the compassionate partner piece. As I, I, as a compassionate partner, want my partner to be happy mm -hmm. in all his connections. Mm -hmm. And if someone else needs him and I'm, you know, just wanting to Netflix and chill, go. <laughs> right. With you know, love and, and hopefully everything is well over there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird thing that that's kind of insidious, both in, in how the community speaks about this and in sort of the mononormative programming that's pervasive. Totally, totally. And uh, for what I'm hearing is that uh, there's a, uh, a, a level of priority, prioritizing ourselves that we need to do, like, uh, yes. you know, to, to take care of all of the relationships that are important to me is important to me. Yeah. And yeah. I need to make sure that, that I feel good in my relationships, wherever, you know, however many there are. Uh, and the other part was the compassionate partner. I really love that. Uh, because if, if I love my partner and I want my partner to be happy and those other relationships are important to my partner, then me being a compassionate partner, I need to make sure that I give, uh, I, I don't want to say permission, but like I, I, um, I just kind of make space for that. Yeah. I make space for that for, for my partner so that they can do what's important to them. Right. Can I just follow up on that? Yes, please. With an example, you talked sure. about harnessing emotions. So I had a panic attack one of the first times that Greg went on a date after we opened up a full pan I was shivering. I thought I was going to pass out. Um, he asked me if I was okay. And I, I did the old, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. The reason I did that was not just to be inauthentic with him, but to say, I've got this. I'm on it. I'm mm -hmm. managing this. This is mine. And I know it has nothing to do with you or what you're doing. You're doing nothing wrong. And I don't want to put that on you as you depart on your date. Right, right. Right? And so I ran myself a hot bath. I had some extra food, you know, some comfort food. Uh, I did the, the things that I felt that would help move that. Um, I listened to some music. I danced. I got into my body, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And all of that helped me feel more way more capable of managing that emotion should it come up again like that you know nice so. self-care i mean it, it really is about just taking care of ourselves greg you had a little something to add to that yeah i i well two things actually if i can if i can take a minute to do that the first sure. thing is is i recognized as you both were talking about it, your own responses to your question i recognized that there was some there was some interesting mono programming happening in my response and so that floated to the surface. So I, I, I love the way you wrapped it up, James, and saying that ultimately it comes down to what's best for me. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? Because I remember I was I was uh I was I was talking to to somebody that I was interested in connecting with, and I asked her this question. I said, "So you have one partner who wants to go to Maui, and you have another partner that wants to go to Germany. You want to go to both places. Where do you go?" Right? And she mm-hmm. and she said she said I'm going to go wherever I want to go in that moment. Right. And I thought that was a great response because that's true. Like you know you it's about what I want to do. And yeah. and I recognize that there was, there was an element of that missing in my explanation. So I wanted to circle back to that and say that I can see that. And I can see that, that like Leanne said, the, the, the mono programming is insidious. It's often not mm-hmm. aware. And even in the language that we choose, even though we, we avoid certain words like hierarchy, hierarchical and all of that stuff, it's still there in some ways. So it was yeah. interesting. So I want to thank you both for bringing that to my attention. So I appreciate you. And then the second thing I wanted to say was your question was about harnessing emotions to be able to, to work through these situations. When I think of the term harnessing emotions, I think of it as using it as a strength. You mentioned earlier when you're on the football field and you take anger and you, you, put, you take it out on the field. It's interesting to me that anger and, and frustration, um, those kinds of feelings are perfectly acceptable to have. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly acceptable to be angry. It's perfectly acceptable to feel um, you know, anger about something. It's, it, but it, it's not acceptable to feel overjoyed about something. It feels uncomfortable huh. in a lot of situations, right? And so when we talk about harnessing the emotions, what, what I'm referring to is this idea that every single emotion that we have is information. And if we can find a way to tap into that information it, using a lights on the dashboard approach. So if I've got a partner who's in distress or a relationship that's in distress, and then I have another partner and that relationship is not in distress and lights are coming up on the dashboard for me saying, hey, buddy, you got to make some decisions here based upon your emotions. Right. I'm feeling guilty because I'm not paying attention to one partner. But I'm also feeling afraid because if I don't pay too much attention to the other partner, then that relationship is going to go away. And I want them both. They both Mm -hmm. matter to me. So what is the information? What do you need to tend to under the hood? What do you need mm-hmm. to pop the hood and take a look at? What wires need to be jiggled? What, you know, what needs to be maybe replaced or reframed in some way? And so that's what I mean when I talk about harnessing emotions. Mm-hmm. Is we're harnessing the power of them so that we can step on the football field figuratively mm-hmm. and crush our opponent. And our opponent in this case, and oftentimes, is our own goddamn self. <laughs> yes, so true. Right. And, and that's really ultimately what it comes down to is, is that, you know, what do I want in those situations? Well, right yeah. now I want to tend to this relationship because it matters to me. Mm-hmm. And I need what I also want is I want a partner who's compassionate enough to understand that. And sure, they might not like it. Sure. It might bring up a whole host of fucking emotions for them, too. But what I need right now is I need to be able to tend to this because this is the fracture. This is, mm-hmm. this is the, as you said, this is the triage. This is what mm-hmm. I need to triage. Yep. And then once it's triage, then we can step back into a bit more, more of a flow, more of an organic flow of things. You know, huh. I, I yep. don't know. I don't know if that answers the question, but I, I, I think felt like so. those two things came up and I just really wanted to, to, to talk about them. Yeah, no, I, I, I really do think so. Uh, it, 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 I think it rings true for me. I think it rings true for uh, probably a lot of our audience, hopefully a lot of our audience. Um, and 
this whole conversation. I mean, everything that we've been talking about today, it feels like we could go on uh, for <laughs> hours. Um, yep. But, you know, I do want to be, again, respectful of your time. Uh, got other things. Everybody's, you know, and, and I just want to make sure that uh, before we go, I give you both an opportunity to uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where people can find you. Uh, how people can work with you if there are any regional restrictions um, and, you know, if there's any other offerings uh, and also plug your podcast, please. Great. Okay. I'll do that. Our podcast is called Empowered Now and you can find us on YouTube and Spotify and Apple and a bunch of other ones as well. Um, we talk about all things related to relationships and some particular uh, episodes are about poly or CNM uh, specifically. So it's poly friendly, LGBTQ2IA friendly, and uh, we would love to have you come and subscribe. We also have guests on periodically. We've had Jessica Fern, who authored yes. uh, Poly Secure on our show, as well as um, Elaine. Uh, did I say her name right? Alicia. Alicia, sorry. Alicia Payne, right. That's how I messed that up. Sorry, Alicia. And uh, she's also a uh, love and sexuality coach. We uh, can be reached at, on our websites, gregmillion.com, leannemillion.com. It's only one million. And <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram at, at leannemillion and at thegregmillion. And uh, you can work with us by reaching out via either Instagram or our website. We also have a, a Empowered Now Facebook group for uh, relationship support and advice. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, again, I want to thank you both so much. Uh, this has been so enlightening, so much good stuff. I think we really got into uh, a, a lot of, of meat here uh, in a very <laughs> short amount of time. So thank you both so much for uh, spending some time with me today. I really appreciate you both. Thank you, uh, James. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Of course. Yeah, of thank course. you for having us on the show. It's been a pleasure. And it, it's, 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 yeah, it's been amazing. So thank you. Pleasure's all mine. And thank you, as <laughs> always, to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for the podcast download. So if you want to avoid commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2 30 Pacific time, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, or sign up for our Patreon where you'll get access to our. Uh, commercial free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That is all we have got for you all today for this week. That's it. Until next week. Hope you all have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.